Romans 16. We're uh, at the end of uh, this wonderful book here, and uh, we'll uh, let everybody get settled as they come in. No big deal. Romans 16. And uh, verse number 17 again, we'll read the, read the four verses here. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good, and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And again here, Paul is for the second time trying to conclude the book. And he did it at the end of chapter 15, couldn't quite get done. Here he's doing it here in the midst of 16. And by the way, he doesn't get it done because he's going to go on and give some hellos from the folks that are with him there in Corinth. And then we're going to get into that great passage in verse 25, 26, 27, and that rich doctrinal uh, development there. But before we do that, Paul issues a warning here. And again, it's, it's, very, uh, it's, it's very apropos that it's here at the end of the book. And for the very first time, he's introducing to us to Satan and the adversary, and we looked last time, and we ran verses through Paul's epistles so that we understand how the adversary is attacking and really what he's not doing. And uh, the issue of how is his primary attack has to do with unsound doctrine, good words and fair speeches. Now, this doesn't mean that you're not to have a, 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 a vocabulary or use Good, good or English, uh, or any of that, okay? <laughs> Just make sure you're listening. I know it's Sunday morning. By the way, I know it's Palm Sunday, and uh, it's just another day for you and I. We understand that, okay? And we're not going to whack each other over the head with palms or any of that good stuff, all right? If one falls out of the sky, that's a little different, all right? Well, <laughs> anyway, uh, so as he's warning us here, what we saw last time was we just went through and looked at the adversary through Paul's epistles. In every epistle but Philemon, Paul gives us some information about, uh, ab about the adversary. By the way, every second epistle has some stuff in those epistles that are very specific about the satanic attack. 2 Corinthians, 2 Timothy... 2 Thessalonians, 2 Peter, 2 John. So when you go through the seconds, it's very interesting. He gives a lot more detail, uh, shows up about the adversary and how he operates. So what we saw last time was how he doesn't operate. We saw how he operates, doctrines of devils, unsound doctrine, good words, fair speeches. But then we also notice that he is not operating the way he do, did in the Gospels with the unclean spirits and demon possessions and so forth. So as you go through this, and as we were talking about it last time, he doesn't use the supernatural stuff today. Why? Because God's not doing that today. He's doing spiritual issues. He's not doing the physical Satan understood that Israel was to take the land. The land belonged to Israel. 
So then how can how do I get Israel not to be the people God needs them to be? I come in and possess the land. How am I going to do that? Well, by possessing the people. The adversary is a created being. He's not omni-anything. <laughs> he has a course of the world, Ephesians 2 calls it. He's got a system. He's got people involved in it, and he uses people. We'll see that as we go here. So Paul, again here, verse 17, the warning. And the warning is very key because we're at the end of this massive amount of edification, of sound doctrine, of doctrine that's designed to, to move you from baby to adult and to move you there real quick, not take forever, but to get you there. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to all personalities and to all things, you know, whether you, not at all. What's the contrary to the doctrine which ye have, notice, learned. It's interesting, it doesn't say revealed. It doesn't say made known. It says learned. Well, what have we learned? We learned about our justification, that it's by faith alone, for by grace are you saved through faith. We learn in our walk and in our inter identification, our sanctification, it's a walk of faith. We understand we're not Israel, we're the church, the body of Christ, and we understand how to come in and take that. So all of this rich doctrine found in Romans if somebody comes up and says, nope, you need to work to get saved, what do you do? You mark them and you'll what? Avoid them. See, that's the thing. You mark, you identify them. Okay, now again, we have to remember Ephesians 6, our warfare is a spiritual warfare. It isn't the person, the individual. But we're, what we're going to do, we're going to mark that individual. Why? Because of what they're teaching is bad doctrine. Okay, it's what they're communicating it's the good words and fair speeches then he says learned and avoid them and that's the bible that is what you do with them you avoid them and i know what happens <laughs> when you avoid people who are preaching bad doctrine and you mark you identify them and you move away. now all of a sudden you're the bad guy when you're not the bad guy you're just obeying the verse you're protecting your your inner man. You're protecting your, who you are. And what happens is, is you get to be the bad guy. And you know what? I would rather suffer for Christ's sake than, so I'd rather suffer in that environment than for some foolish decision I made or something else. So you just have to know that. But Paul's given a warning here. Why? Because the adversary is now on a mission of attacking. Verse 18. For they, and that'll be those that are going to you that are are, are you're going to mark and avoid, are such. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Think about their own belly. <laughs> okay, I told you last time. He, Paul's using language out of Genesis three. He's not calling us to go back. He's going to say Satan. Uh, he's going to bruise Satan under your feet shortly. That's terminology out of Genesis 3. Belly. In Genesis 3, the Lord curses the, 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 the serpent to crawl on the, in the, the belly. We're going to see good and evil down in verse 19. There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, why? What happened in Genesis 3? Adam fell. Adam and Eve move away from who they are in Christ. Adam and Eve are deceived by 
good words and fair speeches, yea, hath God said. God really, God really doesn't want you to know something, but I know what it is. So if you just, if you just come and join my team, I'll give you the decoder, I'll give you the way to know, and you will be illumined, illuminati, illuminated, see, and you'll know all things. That's good words and fair speeches. That's what that is. Satan didn't come over there and trick her with, or uh, deceive her or Adam with something salacious. It was just a violation of God's word, a disobedience to God's word. And they took it. So, Paul is, and some of, uh, we'll tie all that together hopefully here at the end this morning. If not, we'll do it again next week, okay? Because the thing is, is that's, what Paul, that's why Paul is reaching back and using terms that we read and go, bruise Satan under our feet shortly. Well, that's Genesis 3, and that's a da da da. Well, why? Because you and I have an opportunity to not be like Adam and fall for the deception. Why? Because we're equipped to not fall for the deception. And that's really what the simple is, someone who's not equipped, and we'll see that here in just a second. But think about your belly. What do you do with your belly? You eat. You have an appetite, don't you? And you, you begin to, it, it's, it, by the way, this is a beyond the physical thing here. This is a satisfying of the lust of your flesh, the appetite for power. These folks want to control you, run your life, fortune, fame, all of it. That's what they're after. They're after control. And Paul says, you know what, guys? By rejecting the sound doctrine of Romans 1 to 15, by rejecting the key, which is the issue of right division, dispensational Bible study, their, their motives for doing that is a self-interest motive. They're after something for themselves. They, and, and again, it, it, their motive is self-interest. If you look over at Second uh, Timothy with me, just I told myself don't go bouncing around today. Actually, it's Titus two, Titus Titus one. Sorry, Titus one, Titus one verse eleven. We closed here quickly last week, I believe, with this. Whose mouths, uh, so, for verse 10, for they that are many, for there are many unruly and, see that, vain talkers, good words and fair speeches, and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. And the circumcision crowd is that crowd of, uh, of the religion, religious, religiosity people, okay? Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not. Now watch, for what? Filthy lucre say. That's self-preservation. That's self-interest. Because if I'm getting my paycheck over here, then what am I going to tow? I'm going to tow the company line. Because if I don't, I don't get a paycheck anymore. See. So when you come back to Romans 16, the belly, the self-interest, there's something here about their their own belly, their own self-interest, and whatever that may be, whether it's the attaboys at the end of the morning, or it's the pat on the backs, or if it's the whatever, we'll take you to lunch for, you don't pay, I pay, you know, and all that stuff. 
whatever the motivation, it's what are they doing? Why are they doing what they're doing? Well, it's to satisfy their own belly. It's to fulfill that own appetite. It's very interesting. Well, Romans 16. So when we look into this, if, you're, if you reject God's word rightly divided, and I say it that way, un- okay, then you have to come up with a mechanism to convince people that God's word is saying this or that. And they use good words, okay, the power of argumentative, or argument, the power of human reasoning, and fair speeches, that, that emotional-based speech. You've, I don't know if you've ever sat in a big room and listened to a motivational speaker. What do they do? They drag you along. When I worked at the bus yard, uh, one of the school districts, I don't remember which one it was now, they had a motivational speaker come in to talk to, to the, the departments, and he was a gentleman, and he had uh, no legs and one arm and no arm or something, and everybody oohed and awed with his story. Okay, that was quite a quite an impressive story. Don't get me wrong, but what were they doing? They're they're trying to motivate you emotionally to do what? To get on with the ball and actually don't rock the boat because we were rocking the boat pretty good. You know, let's don't do that. Let's so that's the fair speech is compelling, moving. Come over to Second Timothy two now. We'll look at here. Now, again, we're not talking about having a good vocabulary or being eloquent or being spiffy or, you know, any of that. We're just talk, simply talking about using the power of human reason, the power of argument, the, the, that emotional-based speech to, to, to keep people in ignorance. That's what we're dealing with. And again, these, these folks don't go to Bible college or seminary with the intent to deceive. They don't. They go with good intentions. That's why it's not about the person. But what do they do? They just bought into a system, didn't they? The, and that system has an ultimate goal of filthy lucre. Again, whatever that is. Okay? Because filthy lucre isn't just always money. It's got other forms to it as well. So when you think about this, when you reject God's way to understand his word, the issue of right division or dispensational Bible study, then you have to promote a system that in reality doesn't work. And the only way to make it appear that it does work is to skillfully argue it out to skillfully argue and portray and convince and persuade that, guess what, this really works. You just don't have enough faith. We've all heard that. You just don't give enough. You just didn't do, you, you missed three Sunday nights last month. See, they, what, those are gimmicks to do what? To keep you in line, to keep, and they have to do that. And again, I'm, I keep saying it, we're, we're not talking about the individual. We're not talking about personalities. We're not talking about the person. Our warfare is a spiritual warfare. There's a system going on behind whose whole goal of attack is to get you to move away from 
the word rightly divided. To move you, to compel you. 2 Timothy 2, if you look at verse 15, 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Our great duty is to study. Our great aim is God's approval. See, Our great goal is that issue of being a workman not ashamed. And the great requirement is rightly dividing the word of truth. See, And when we do that, again, the issue here really is verse 14. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. See what the good words and fair speeches do? First, there's no profit in them. There's no power in them. There's no benefit in it at all. If you look across the page there at chapter uh, 3, verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, what? Turn away. They've, they're using speeches and, and, and motivation and all this stuff to get you to do something that has no power in it. So how do we stop that? 2.15, we study. But how do we study? There's books, you go into the average, well, now you've got to go online. There is no Christian bookstore anymore. It's all online. And you look at the how-to-study books, and the last time I was in a Christian bookstore, it was a whole aisle long of how-to-study books. And as I went and perused through big names, you know, the big guys, none of them addressed dispensation, study it this way. Actually, several of them attacked dispensational Bible study. Why? It messes with their bellies, see. It gets in there in the way. Chapter 2, look at verse 18. Just think about what they're doing here. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Now, notice the result real quick. Verse 14, subverting the hearers. Verse 18, overthrowing the faith of. As, as, a, as a leader, the job isn't to overthrow. The job is to build up. See, Israel, the same way, the leadership in Israel, their job was to build up, not destroy, not subvert. But notice verse 18 carefully, who concerning the what? The truth. What'd they do? They erred. Why? They failed to 215 it. They don't deny the resurrection. See how it doesn't... They've erred saying that the resurrection is past already. They've just put it on the wrong place on the timeline. That's all they did. They didn't say what didn't isn't going to happen or didn't. They said it's already happened. They're they're moving here. See, they just again we're not denying these folks don't deny that Jesus Christ came in an earthly ministry. They just say he was talking to you and I ultimately. Not really. Not in his own words anyway. <laughs> okay. Look down at verse 25. In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance, 
okay, changing of their mind, to the acknowledging of what? The truth. So how does God give repentance to the acknowledging of the truth? By 2.15ing it. Studying it, rightly dividing it. See? That's how, and, and by the way, as the servant of the Lord, we're not, tr- all our jobs to do is to put it in front of them. The changing has to happen. By the way, look at verse 26. And that they may recover themselves. See? They have to, that thing, that verse in Romans, uh, uh, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. When we went through that, I told you, I can't accelerate your edification. <laughs> you have to do that. My job is to get it and keep it in front of you. Charge them to, to remind and remind constantly. Keep it in front of you. Why? Because you can you need to be able to recover yourselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. He has a will for you. And he's using good words and fair speeches, and it's and he's using men. We'll see that in just a second here. And, he's, and they're just satisfying their own bellies, their own self-interest. Look over in chapter 3. Look at verse 7. Now, this verse ought to just shock you. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is your Bible college. There's your seminary. What are you doing? Professional students. You're always learning. You're always going on. Now, I value education. We have Grace School of the Bible. We have, you know, different things. I'm not, we're not talking about the education. What are they doing? They're ever learning, and yet what's the result there? Never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because they're not approaching it. 2 Timothy 2.15. They're, they got another, uh, there's an, a, another agenda. Now, it's interesting, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Not able. So they spend a lifetime studying the Word of God. And yet they're never able to come to the truth. That that ought to scare you. It ought to shock you. Now, Paul's talking to Timothy because he's warning Timothy of... Actually, 2 Timothy, the whole epistle is, here's what church history is going to look like when I leave. When I'm gone, chapter 4, here's what church history is going to look like, and that's the body of Christ as an apostasy. So I just saved you about $1,000 worth of book buying and endless hours of reading. Just read 2 Timothy. You got what church history is. You don't need Schaff and all those guys. Now, good guys, don't get me wrong. Very fascinating reads, by the way, when you just want to read a dry history book. (laughs) I got them one time as my for my birthday, and I started reading them, and my dad's like, that's not easy reading. I go, I know, it's kind of cool, though, you know. <laughs> the nerd the nerd came out, you know. The Trekkie came out. So that's where we're at. Notice that. They study the Word. They're never able to come. Why? They fail to rightly divide the Word of truth. Also, they fail to recognize Paul's distinctive ministry and message. They really do. And that's what happens. Verse 8. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Paul, again, how do you resist the truth? No right division. 
Paul, again, here's Timothy. Here's the sad state of the church. Here's what's going on. And Timothy, don't you err. And you need to not be the victim. And you need to spend a lifetime of learning and getting into the book rightly divided. You don't need to spend a lifetime down at and never learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You need to be right where you're at. And we don't, again, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. Hold, hold on to 2 Timothy. There, there's a verse I was looking at the other day. Look, look at 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 11. Man. 1 Corinthians 11. And just look here at verse 19. 2 Corinthians 11, 19. Now, Paul's talking to the Corinthians. Obviously, they're, they're in the belly. <laughs> they're after their own self-interest. And he says, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. It's not bad when things kind of come up where you got to deal with them. Why? Because it manifests the truth. It, so the truth will then stand up, show up. And it's interesting that he's going to say in 2 Corinthians, we'll get over there and just go back to 2 Timothy now, where he says, hey, listen, there's a group of people, of men, and what are they doing? They're preaching heresy. Why? So that you, men at Corinth, will stand up for the truth. So if, if, if you know, we take, and, and here's somebody standing for the truth, in the sea of confusion out there, in the sea of heresy, the one who's standing for the truth, 2 Timothy 2.15, if you will, that's the one that needs to be made manifest. You need to deal with it. What do you need? You need to shut them up, Titus 1. You need to stop that mess, but how do you do it? With the doctrine. 2 Timothy uh, chapter uh, 2 again, because we have to remember verse 26. We need to be mindful that someone who rejects the, the dispensational Bible study not only is, a vic is, is being victimized, but is all, also, verse 26, held captive by the will of Satan. That's his goal. His goal isn't for you just to freely roll. His goal is to come in and uh, clip your wings. How does he do it? Good words, fair speeches. Come back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. I, I, that always amazes me. How the Holy Spirit speaks here. He speaks expressly. Why? This is an important point that you need to catch. You need to pay attention to. That in latter times, some shall depart from the faith. The message given to the Apostle Paul. How? Giving heed. What did they do? They let it in. They say, oh, he's such a good guy. He's, he means well. And they're not paying attention. They let him in. Oh, boy, boy, he's such a motivator. Man, he can just rev us up, get us going. Amway meeting, 
you know, boom. Amway, that's a long time ago, you know. <laughs> I was cleaning a box out, and I found my old Amway uh, membership card from 1989 or something like that. I'm like, oh, that was a long time ago. You know, I'm going to take on the world. We went to a big convention in Anaheim, California, and, well, we're going to have you know, thousands of people, and these guys march up there, and well, they rev up, and they got the music going, and, and we go out, and I talk to the guy who sponsored me, and I go, so where do I go talk? He goes, I don't know, because I own the city. I go, I know you do. I've been talking to people, you know. It's like, <laughs> so i got to move to a different city, you know. what? They motivate, gin you up, get you going. That's how they're doing it. They give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Paul, again, how does the adversary attack? Seducing. That, that thing about seducing, to draw away from the path of right with the promise of a physical delight. With the promise of a delightful experience. Well, Rick, you know, I don't I just don't know, but man, I know I felt it. It was it felt so good. I'm not, no kidding, it probably did. But it's just not accurate. See. Well, then you say you shouldn't have any emotion. No, not at all. You should just have your emotions in check and control. See. Your, you, your soul has emotions, your body has emotions, but they're all designed to operate and function under that will and the heart. It's not saying, you know, we are a robot, welcome today, you know, no. Will Robinson, you know, danger, danger. No, have emotion, but have it under the check of the truth. Doctrines of devils. Look down at verse 3. By the way, verse 2, speaking lies. What are they doing? They're speaking, preaching, teaching, fair speeches, good words. Speaking lies, for, verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Do you know all of that is scriptural? In the Old Testament, in Numbers, Israel could not marry outside of the land. They couldn't go out there and marry the Gentile. You know they have a, uh, dietary laws, unclean, clean animals. So you can't eat, the, can't have your pork with your bacon and your eggs and your ham. Easter ham's coming next Sunday. <laughs> can't have it. Sorry, Charlie. You know, it's scriptural all day long. It's just not dispensational. See, doctrines of devil. By the way, doctrines of devils. It's not about ghosts and unclean spirits. It's about what? Moving you away from the issues of dispensational Bible study. Come over. Just, just draw a contrast here. Look at Colossians 2. Look at Colossians 2. That doctrines of devils. Colossians 2. And, and look at verse 22. Uh, verse uh, verse uh, 20. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why? As though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not. There's your three monkeys. Which all are to the perish with the using. After the commandments and doctrines of who? Men. Now, he just said doctrines of devils, and then he brings up in the same, the same and then he calls the same stuff, the law, doctrines of who? Men. 
So if doctrines of devils and doctrines, so if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, doesn't it? Did I say that right? I think so. Okay. When they started putting letters in for numbers, I quit. <laughs> Amen. It's, you know, I was like, I'm done. Just leave the letters or leave the numbers, you know. So we're not he's, not, he's talking about a set of doctrine designed to satisfy the lust of your flesh, the belly. Come back on your way back to Romans, to 2 Corinthians 11. And the adversary, because he is a created being, and because he has established a course for this world called the lie program, Romans 125, he has to use men to do it. He used Adam. He got Adam. Think about this. He talks to Eve, gets Eve to leave the doctrine, turns right around and convinces Adam to leave the doctrine. So Satan is the greatest preacher of all. He, can, he got his 100% of his audience on board. He got Eve, and Eve got Adam. He converted half, and that half went and converted. And then Adam, by Adam, what's introduced? The mess. See. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. And, that, and, and when he says, for such are, he's talking about the are there. It refers back to verse 4. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus who, and another spirit and another gospel. Doesn't say there aren't Jesus. There, don't say there aren't scriptural. It's just another is there another Jesus in your Bible? Yes, there is. It's his earthly ministry with Israel. So verse 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according. What are they doing? They're out there. They look right. They sound right. They came out of the right colleges and schools. And what are they doing? They're scriptural all day long. Do you know today's Palm Sunday? You know they're, they're using scripture all over the world today in a religious setting, aren't they? They are. If you don't believe me, just Google it and it'll tell you. But it's not what? dispensational that's the point here so when you come back to Romans 16 18 the belly it has to do with their own self-interest their own self-preservation could you imagine what would happen to Christianity if everybody was dispensational well one day it will be okay <laughs> all right when the Lord comes back he'll, and gets us, he'll take care of all of that. But the thing is, is I, I, I remember in 2008 when the economy, the real estate bubble popped, Central Christian in Mesa, big, big church, they had a thing online I was reading that they were letting go three-quarters of their staff because financially they just couldn't. So they had asked, one of the main ministers of music to stay on voluntarily. You know what he said? No. I need the paycheck. 
So you know what he did? He went to school, got his music degrees. His, by the way, he also had a theology degree, a doctorate, DDD. I, I, I know it's a DD, but okay. He had all that. And when it came time to just go and serve, he said, no. That's the belly, man. That's looking out for number one. Not doing it for what we're, how we're supposed to do this. I read that, I was like, wow. And then subsequently at the bus yard, I met a couple of folks who were in the ministry at some other larger, not as large, but large, and they were in the same boat because you know where they're at? They're down driving a school bus now. But you know, I asked him, I said, well, do you still go to church on Sunday? He goes, oh, no, we're taking a break. We're doing a gap year. I'm like, a gap year? What is that? So I had to, now I had to go find out what that is. And I found, I'd, I'd like a, what was the other one? I'd like a gap year, by the way. That's paid time off, you know. Um, well, I'm way offline now. What is that thing where they, sabbatical. Well, I'm like, a sabbatical? Where is that? So I had to look that up. Anyway, where are we at? Romans 16. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speech deceive the hearts. The heart, the mentality of the soul. Those good words and fair speeches are designed to take the heart, to target the heart. But to do it in an emotional manner. So that the emotions control the scene. And cause them to be, well, if it doesn't feel good or feel right, then I'm not going to do it. The simple. Again, that, that issue of the simple there, <laughs> it, it come back to Proverbs 14. Proverbs has a lot to say about the simple. Proverbs 14. But when you think about the simple here, he's talking about someone who is, uh, he's not talking about simple-minded or slow, you know. I... I, I <laughs> He's not talking about like, like a child mind or anything like that. Rather, he's talking about someone who's not properly equipped. And if you reject the doctrine in Romans, then you're going to be ill-equipped, and you will be prey for the adversary. He will get you. Because what's he going to do? He's going to come in and use good words and fair speeches, and he's going to cause your emotions to run today, and not your heart, not your belief system. And then next thing you know, he took you from who you are in Christ to now you're a member of so-and-so church. And guess what? I don't know much, but I'm teaching the adult Sunday school class. You know how many times I've heard people tell me, I didn't know much, but I'm, I'm, I'm teaching. Well, how'd that? Well, they just like the way I teach. I said, well, what are you teaching? Oh, whatever the latest book is, the latest trend. I, for years, I would go at the end of the year, first of the year, usually in the first quarter, and look at the megachurches' websites to see what the new trend was. Because they got their pulse on that stuff, marketing-wise and media-wise. And I would sit there, and, you know, this, this trend is new this year. Go look at Google sometimes vacation Bible school material. You see the trend. You see what's going on. And you know what it is? It's all feel good. Small groups. Well, you need to be studying this book for your small groups. So we all read a chapter out of 
Nothing wrong with small groups. I've got one Monday night. I got another one Wednesday night. <laughs> They're small groups. <laughs> but what we're not studying a book. We're studying the book, say. But I, I, we need to encourage everyone to come to small small groups. And it's like it's a trend. The guy that started Willow Creek in Illinois there. Ah, oh, dang, I just had his name. Say it again. I Something like that, yeah. It's, it's the trend. The, the, the founding guy at Willow Creek, he said we've done a disservice. That's why I wanted, I'm trying to remember his name. Hybels, thank you, yes. He said we have done a disservice to the church by not preaching the Bible. Now, he didn't say the Bible rightly divided, but what are they preaching? This gimmick, that gimmick. He said we, I don't, is he still alive? I don't think so. I don't think he is. Anyway, I read that in an article about 25 years ago, where he said we did a disservice to the church by not preaching the Bible in our services. I'm like, holy cow! But yet he never changed, never stopped. It did you know? Actually, I think he was on his way out retirement-wise. Anyway, you got Proverbs. I can give you time to find Proverbs. Proverbs 14. Look at 14, 15. 1450, the simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his goal. The simple believing every word, is that good or bad? That's bad, man. That's believing every trend come down the pipe. If I got up here and said, hey, we're going to do this for this year, and this is our theme, which I did, I guess the grace reset, <laughs> you know, but this is it. You know, and the next thing you know, what have you bought into? A gimmick, you know, and it's not. That's how... So the simple, and come back to Romans 16, the simple here is those that are not properly equipped to disarm the attack. Ephesians 4 there, verse 14, Paul will say that we are henceforth to be no more, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. The wind's blowing today, they told us. Heads up. My allergies said, yep, it is blowing. You know? But every wind of what? Of doctrine. This trend, that trend. Prayer of Jabez. Oh, yeah. I'm like, have you... I had a lady, oh, the prayer of Jabez. I said, did you read the verses in front of it and after it? <laughs> that ain't you. Sorry. <laughs> no, I didn't read that. I read... Uh, what, what's another prayer, Jabez? Uh, the Her uh, Harbinger, the books. Oh, that's like, oh, that's big stuff. Man. I go, no, that's prophetically out there. Not today. They get sucked you in. Again, come back to Romans 16. You see, folks, when we go through the edification process of the doctrine, doctrines learned. That's why verse 17, contrary to the doctrines which ye have learned. He's not talking about that you know it all. It's what you've learned. Because what do we do? We go through, we learn one, we go back again, and you learn a little deeper. You learn, you peel that, you peel that banana back, don't you? You peel the onion, or however you need to describe. And he's, he, but what do you, it just gets better and better and better on a deeper and deeper uh, uh, level. And the next thing you know, the ad, somebody comes along with a good word, a, a prayer, Jeb, Jabez, or the shack. Remember that book? 
Ooh, big guys. I can't remember the author. The Shack. I read it. I thought it was about Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> got into chapter one, and it wasn't. I'm like, okay, well, I'll read it now because everybody's reading it. And the lady at the bus yard said I need to read it, so I'll read it, you know. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. What a perversion. See, I can make you laugh one minute. i get you crying here in just a minute, okay? Why? That's what you do. Good words. Verse 19. You see, by the way, verse 19, for your obedience has come abroad unto all men. That's the answer. Because God is confident Paul is confident to release the believer here now at the end of Romans to face the adversary. God, Paul, they're confident that the foundational doctrines that we've learned will protect us from the satanic policy of evil. That's what he's doing here. He's like, you've learned this is coming And you know how you're going to beat him? You're going to do verse 17. You're going to mark and avoid them. You're going to have enough information on board to know that when they say you got to work to get saved, that you do what? You turn it off. Or if you're listening to somebody else and you're over here and you're looking at something and he says you got to work to stay saved, you rip it up, you turn it off. You have enough on board that what can you do? You, your obedience of faith, for your obedience has come abroad unto all. Paul, I am confident that the grace of God, the doctrines of the grace of God will work. You just got to be equipped. You just got to have it on board. Obedience. Believe the doctrines of chapters 1 to 15. And again, Paul is confident <laughs> that it'll work. That's what Romans 1, 16, for I'm not ashamed of. Ashamed there is, you know, red-faced. And he's like, I'm not, I know this works. I know it does. It'll, it'll liberate you. But then when the adversary, when the good words and fair speeches, when the ministers of righteousness show up, then guess what? You're able to say, you're able to do what the overcomer will do in Revelation there. You'll try them out, and you'll find them wanting, and then you'll just dismiss them. Don't do Deuteronomy 13, which is go out and kill them, okay? Don't do that. But just what? Mark and avoid them. Move them along. Verse 19, I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good. You need to be informed about the sound doctrine, the good. You need to have the the foundational doctrines of the, the four pillars on board and simple concerning evil. I need you to, again, in the context, the, the, the evil, the attack. Don't be contaminated by the bad doctrine, guys. You got the good on. Don't move over here to the bad now because it's appealing to you, your belly. You're equipped. So then in verse 20, and the God of peace. Now, we've already looked at that title. It's always associated with the edification process. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Now, think about that, where we're at here. As he's concluding the book of Romans, with this overwhelming confidence 
in the impact of obeying the edification process, where he's saying, I can now release you. By the way, to bruise under Satan's heels, he's going to release you here to the Ephesians doctrine of what's coming. And how you know that is verse 25, 26, and 27. Because he moves you from my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to revelation of mystery which secret now is made manifest. That's Ephesians. He's moving you. He's releasing you to the next tier of doctrine. You've got the foundation down, guys. You're good to go. So don't repeat Genesis 3. Don't do what Adam and Eve did, which was leave who they were in Christ. Because ultimately, that's what they did. That's when their light went out, if you will. They're clothed, they're in the image of God, they're in His likeness. They had a rank coat of many colors on them. They had a uniform of, the, of that coat of many colors, and they were light. And when they fell, their light went out. And so did the coat of many colors. And the next thing you know, they, they're sitting there going around, well, what is this called? And Satan says, that's called nakedness. <gasps> and they went Operation Fig Leaf and introduced religion into the equation. Cover it up. Cover up my mistake. Don't do that. That's what Paul's getting at here. Paul's using language here. I'm releasing you. You are equipped. Don't have, let's not have a repeat here. So if we obey verse 17, 18, 19 here, if we are wise unto that which is good, simple concerning the evil, if we mark and avoid those that are walking contrary, if we practice separation, And have a have a wise concerning that which is good, simple concerning that which is evil. The the then you know what's going to happen? Satan's going to be bruised under your feet shortly. The satanic attack is going to be nullified. the The adversary will be defeated in the moment. When you come on, when when you hear the Work to get saved, work to stay saved, work to prove you're saved. And you come in with, nope, it's by justification by faith, our walk of faith, Colossians 2, and, and it's, it's the obedience of faith. When you come in, you know what Satan does? He, he's lost, so he's bruised. And what Paul's going to do, just real quick, come over to Colossians chapter 1 is Paul is now going to prepare you to move to the next advanced doctrinal book, which is Ephesians. Now, we're not going to get there until I'm old and gone, probably, because we got Corinthians and Galatians, too, okay? But when you get over in Ephesians, just when, think about when Satan will be bruised historically prophetically, if you will. Colossians 1, verse 15, who in, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by Him, that's Christ, were all things created, 
that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. The all things there is the principalities, powers, that governmental structure in verse 16. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Now watch verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Again, the all things are what? The things, the governmental structure in verse 16. Just in case you forgot that, I say whether there be things in earth or things in the heaven. When does Satan get bruised? When he reconciles the system back to himself. Using Israel and the earth, using the church, Ephesians 1.10. Now come over to Ephesians 3. You see, what Paul's getting you ready by using the language, first of all, you can defeat the adversary right now. You can bruise him right now by just living the doctrine. Understand it, get it in your head, and go live it. You can Ephesians 3 it here. But also, you need to understand that God's going to use you, member of the body of Christ, out there in the future to reconcile the heavenly places back to himself. And that's the ultimate destruction of the adversary. Look at Ephesians 3, look at verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now watch. To the intent that, what? Now. Right now. 2023. Why? Because God delayed another day of grace. Unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. What are you doing right now? If you're in 1620 and you're living the doctrine and you're understanding the doctrine and you're making the adjustments to live according to the, the doctrine, dispensational Bible study, etc., those four pillars, what are you, who are you impacting right now? That heavenly place realm where we're going. Because they're watching. Those angels, they watch down. We're made a spectacle to them. They're paying attention. So right now, as you function, we have an impact into that heavenly places. And you know what they're seeing? They're seeing Satan be bruised. They're seeing Satan being defeated. Why? Because you're not succumbing to the good words and fair speeches. Or you're coming out of it to dispensational body. Hey, that was bad. This is right. What am I? I'm repenting. I'm changing my mind about that, and I'm over here now. And you know what the heavens do? The elect angels go, Atta baby, hoo-hoo. And the, loser, or the lost angels, they go, oh, we lost another one. And the constant, ba- and you know what you have? You have Satan being bruised under your feet shortly. What do you do? Right now. So when Paul brings this up, He's gearing you up for the moment. You want to defeat the adversary right now, stay the course. Mark them, avoid them. Stay with the doctrine. But you also need to know, understand that there's a, there's a future program out there in the heavenly places 
And that's what the book of Ephesians is going to drag us to. You follow that? He's, he's getting us ready. And literally, and, and when we get down in verse 25, 26, and 27, we're going to see him do that. And we're going to see him move us there. Romans has been equipping you to understand all that God has done for you. He's placed you into the body of Christ. He's made you an adult son in his family. He's equipped you to function here on the planet in time, right now. And he's going to, Ephesians is going to tell us we've also been equipped to function out in the future. We are, by the way, that equipping is a spiritual thing. We have all of the divine operating assets that we need to operate in the function body. And if you're, if you're going to separate from anything that it, if you will separate from anything that's going to move you away from that and just stand on the doctrine, stand with the doctrine, don't be deceived, don't be mixed up with all that other stuff, you know what you're going to do? You're giving Satan a death blow. You're bruising him. Okay. Then he ends the verse with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And again, tries to end the book, but he can't get it done. He's got one more. I got two more things to say to you. <laughs> and that's, I, that is a preacher's heart, heartbreak right there. I got two more things to say to you. Okay? Just catch what Paul's doing here. These guys are no good. Yeah, but Rick, we ought to love everybody. Ah. Do you know that unity is a spawn of the devil. It really is. It's a grace killer. Because you know what you have to do to have unity? You have to sacrifice the doctrine. doesn't matter what it is, you have to sacrifice it. And the one doing it is you, not the other guy. And that just, boom, blah, but what about keeping the unity of the Spirit? Ephesians 4. You know that's his unity, it's not your unity? Because right after that, he goes, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, the ones, the seven ones. That's the unity of the spirit of the seven ones. Not, we, we, and we endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. We're not trying to be, we're trying, the unity of the spirit is these seven issues, and what are we trying to keep? Those seven issues. And you know what that means? That means when there's a, more than one baptism, we got trouble. When there's one, more than one gospel, we got trouble. When there's one, so what do we do? We have to def- stay the course. Now, we're going to get down in verse 21 and following. Talk to you there. The folks that are with Paul at Corinth where he's writing this are going to say hello. And then we'll get into that. those two, three verses of some of the most wealthiest information in, at the close of Romans. And we've been through it in our own studies here, but we'll see it here in the context of the end of Romans, okay? All right, I didn't believe I'd get through it, but I did. (laughs) Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, and above all, we thank you for the folks that come out and study and have the desire to look into these things. In your name we pray.